0: You're listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast, a show where introverts share their success and failure stories and discuss how they thrive in the digital age. I'm your host, Godwin Chan. Let's begin. Episode 10 of the Digital Introverts Podcast features Mahfoush Chowdhury. He is the brand manager for Candy Box Marketing, ranked by Macleans as one of Canada's fastest-growing companies. He is also the podcast host of Ride With Me, a show that is recorded while driving on the road. Safely, he promises. Finally, Mafuz is a published author of Project Reinvention, a book that shares his journey through the world of personal development and now speaks across the country to share it with others. Without further ado, let's begin hello and welcome to the digital introverts podcast today we have an amazing guest his name is Mafuz chowdhury did i get your name right
1: you nailed it That was good <laughs> there you go welcome to the show Godwin. thank you so much for having me man it's an absolute honor
0: perfect um so i'd like to ask this question to every single guest just to kick things off and so we've talked about this at length <laughs> at our uh previous meetup at i uh, at a local starbucks but yeah what does it mean to you specifically to be an introvert in this day and age, in the digital age.
1: I love the phrasing digital introvert. I think that's a really cool phrase. I put some thought behind this after we spoke about it on Starbucks. I thought it was a really good conversation that we had. And I I think You know, from my perspective and my background, someone who in our generation, we kind of grew into the world as it was making the transition from non-digital to digital. So we almost had one feet on the traditional way that it used to be and one, one foot in the door of the technological side of things taking off. And when I started seeing the digital boom happen, I think the biggest shift that I saw more than anything else is just the enormous amount of content that you can consume on any given day. And it's pretty overwhelming. You know, it comes to a point where once upon a time, like you would ask questions, you would take your time researching, you would put your time in and take some time out of the day to sit down and turn on a computer and do a little bit of research. And now we're at the point where in mid conversation, like even as I'm recording this podcast, I could literally pull out my phone and look up an answer for something you're asking me. And it's freaky, but it's awesome at the same time. But I think as an introvert, I think the hardest part has been learning to manage my time and energy better, knowing when to invest some energy into working towards my goal. And that often requires doing things that make me uncomfortable. But at the same time, being open to the idea that it's so easy to bond with others and do it at my own pace and my own way where I can build relationship with someone else that's on the other side of the cell phone device without having to even meet them directly right away. I can get comfortable with them online and then take the conversation offline. So I just think there's a lot of opportunities, but it's very important to be aware of the potential drawbacks and the challenges that you may have with the anxiety of all the content that you're consuming.
0: Right, and you mentioned a good, very good point in terms of content overload. That's what I like to call it, right? Just because, yes, you know, you know kind of democratizing access to knowledge yeah through, through the internet nowadays. And I liken, I, I liken it to basically a tidal wave. So essentially like your tidal wave will have everything. You'll have all the, all the good things. And then all the, you know, also all the not so good things can <laughs> come with, you know, being overwhelmed with, with information. And, you know, you're right in, in terms of just being able to know your limits also, right. And, you know, the type of information that you look at, and then also, you know, in, in terms of conversation as well, because you can end up speaking to, you know, a lot of different people a lot of the time. And then you can also get exhausted from that, even if you don't meet them in person, especially I've had instances where, you know, you're you you know you're either on Slack or you're on Facebook Messenger or whatever. I um, mean, talk to this person, right? Or talk to people that you know, or maybe not know uh, for a while, then it can get quite overwhelming. Um, and, you know, eventually, especially when you have, Let's say, for example, like posts or, or social media posts that go fit viral, and then you have to basically respond to every single comment. I've done that before. Mm-hmm. It gets exhausting after a while. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where he, all you can say is like, great comment or thank you for your contribution or
1: whatever. That's right. And you know what? It doesn't get easier the more, the po- more popular you become or the bigger your community gets. Like, it's just more comments, more DMs, more likes, more notifications. None of that really goes down and it's very important to learn to manage that at a very early stage in your social media and digital age side of things. Because if you don't, um, by the time it gets very overwhelming or the time that it gets exhausting, it's it's very difficult. At that point, there's too much happening and you feel the need to shut down. You know, I have to credit. Probably all my success to digital marketing and social media, if it wasn't for these tools that were out there, I don't think I would have been able to do nearly as much as I'm doing. And even even if I did a good job, I don't think it would have been at the scale that I'm doing it at today. And I have to owe it all to the tools that were provided to me through the world and to the evolution towards digital. So I'm thankful for it but at the same time, I know it can get dangerous and I've experienced that even at my peak, even at my best moments where things were taking off, I started getting social anxiety. I started getting burnout. I started experiencing a lot of different things that actually would make me shut down for a little bit of time, come back after a little bit of time and try to bounce back. But by then I've lost a lot of my momentum and it's frustrating sometimes starting to have to start from scratch. So I spend a lot of time training myself mentally and working that side of my brain where I'm thinking about better ways to manage my mental health around digital. And that allows me to really interact and communicate with it. You know, at the end of the day, if you step away from the tools and you step away from the hashtags and all the other stuff that comes with social media, when you look at it, it's really just a lot of people trying to create a connection. You know, a lot of people are just trying to connect and be part of the conversation in the best way that they can and when i started seeing it from that perspective i stopped being so hard on myself by not being active not posting regularly not responding to messages right away sometimes i see a message come into my inbox i'll read it but then i'll come back to it four days later when i have a bit more time or when i have to put some thought behind it and i just have that kind of personality now because i realize at the end of the day it's about making the connection not about Productivity or how active you were on that platform, and what makes it even easier for me now, as you know Godwin, because this is literally how we met the first time, was actually spending time by scheduling in a in-person meeting with someone based on both schedules that are convenient mutually to each other. You know, rather than I have to get back because you know I may be on the go and I got interrupted by a notification, I need to respond right away. No, it's easier when you both look at your calendar you plan something in, you both make time for it, and you both know that you can go there and have a good one-on-one conversation rather than trying to balance 20 different things at the same time. So I encourage looking at options of how you can take online conversations offline and spend time and devote to it, like put your phone down and interact with them. The only time a phone should be pulled up is if you're actually trying to share a story that involves showing something, like showing a visual or a photography or something that you took around that story. Aside from that, I really love the idea of managing the way you use your cell phone so that you can almost make this massive conversation that's happening on social and turn it into a single one-on-one interaction.
0: For sure. And, and, you know, I've always been a, a big advocate of that, you know, one-on-one, you know, interaction conversation, because at the end of the day, we are, that's what we need. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, our cell phones and things like that, they're amazing tools. They're, you know, they're literally, you know, computers in, in, in the palm of our hands, but at the end of the day, it's just a tool or a conduit for making connection. Right. And so a that's tool, how, yeah. that, that's what I've always viewed it as. Right. And, and so it's, you know, wonderful tool for us to, you know, connect right now uh, through, you know, through tele or video conferencing. And then for, you know, some of the people to, you know, connect from different sides of the world, things like that, but nothing will ever replace the, the richness of an in-person conversation to be able to you know connect with each other you know through eye contact gestures body language even touch sometimes right and so Mm -hmm. that to me is all i always cherish that and then yeah the other thing also is that you know i agree with you on on the fact that i also have to step away sometimes right just from from this digital thing (laughs) right yeah because i need to you know recharge and to just be in my own zone for a little bit for coming back and then you know sometimes coming back can be tricky in terms of you know then you get the messages of like, hey where did you go? What were you up to? And things like that from from some of your other connections. And so it, yeah, it gets yeah, it gets like that's that's the that's the unfortunate byproduct of an always on culture. Because you know, especially like even with like Slack for example, like it gets really tempting for people to you know still do work after work hours right so and it's like setting boundaries right i think is is really important right. for yeah for introverts like there's like okay i'm going to work from these hours to these hours i'm going to focus my family from these hours to these hours or i'm going to take a social media detox for this day to this day or or things like that and then i think if you give people advance notice then i think that's
1: Mind. I totally get it. And like you, I like what you're pointing out here, which is the idea of um, being able to try to come back online and start all over and build that train of thoughts that you were initially starting or the brand that you were creating around yourself. You know, I, I had someone at a, free, a recent event that I just did where someone came up to me and she was asking me about, she asked a very general question, but it's amazing that someone actually asked me that because I don't talk about it a lot. She came up and she said, Bafoos, how do you manage burnout?" And she, I was like, well, I didn't expect that in a marketing branding environment because everyone was asking me digital marketing questions, and I honestly was found that question harder to answer than any of the questions out there because I don't actually think about it a lot. I know I've experienced it in the past, and I know it's been hard to recover. And I just told her, listen, just rest. Like no one actually really cares that you're gone or no one actually really cares that you come back and you're active again. I know there'll be that one or two people that are maybe close and very connected to you that is looking for your content every time they come online and they kind of notice that you're away. So they're messaging you out of being concerned. But the reality is when you look at it from a larger scale, you could really leave whenever you want to and come back a month later and just come back in like, like you never left. Like, just pick up where you started and just keep moving like nothing happened. And it, I have to say, the a big pet peeve of mine. And, you know, a lot of people that listen to this might be guilty is my biggest pet peeve online is when I come on and I see someone post about like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been back and I've been silent. You know, I've been busy, but I'm back now. And here, here I am. Let me tell you what's been going on with my life. You know, like. You don't need to welcome yourself back to the world like you've been you've been living life. I think there's so much blessing in moving away from the social tools and going and living life and then bringing that back and sharing it rather than apologizing for going away and needing to reset and all that stuff. You don't owe that apology to anybody. More importantly, I think a lot of people on digital aren't actually listening. I don't think they're actually consuming content. I think a lot of people are just pouring. I think a lot of people just want to share their life, and sometimes they'll interact, but it's usually interacting with people that are commenting on their own posts. So a lot of people out there aren't really pouring, aren't really consuming, they're pouring in stuff. So when you're moving away from digital, when you're stepping back for a second, this is actually an opportunity to go out, get some fresh air, and actually just stop sharing things and listen and pay attention and consume and digest and then when you do come back in the future you have more stories to tell. You know, I've done very well in my career with podcasting, book writing and public speaking, but I wouldn't be any good at him if I wasn't sharing things that I've consumed. Like even now, when I'm public speaking on a regular basis, how do I keep my content fresh? Well, I need to live life. I need to learn new things. I need to observe more. And if I'm not observing and I'm too busy talking, 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 just like in the podcast, if I'm just talking and not observing, I will be giving stale, redundant, boring content that isn't very valuable from what episode one or season one was like. So I think there's a lot of blessings and a lot of value in going out and and taking in content that people, people don't, give enough credit to, you, and I actually encourage people to shut down whenever they can to go out and absorb more rather than pour it in. And, you know, you, from your perspective, I, I wanted to ask you this too, because you did bring up a very good point, a very good perspective from how you manage your social accounts. But I also know a little bit about you, Godwin, and I know you're heavily involved in like event planning. Uh, you're heavily involved with Discover Your Personal Brand events and you know, meetups in Toronto and a lot of different things that happens in our space that involves being around people. I'm not as involved as you are. Like I do go out to events frequently. I speak at events. I do meet and greet. I shake hands whenever people come up and talk to me. But you're in an environment where there's just so much noise happening at the same time. What I'd love to know from my own notes and from my own consumption is how do you manage that? Like how do you keep a good balance between all the noise that's happening at the event and then going online after and all that noise continuing online about the event and people that you met and still managing to be able to build relationships with the people that you meet? That's an excellent
0: question. So first of all, the, the one good thing is that these events Happen one time in in two months, so it's not like every every week, right? So that's mm, good. that's good already. So it's it's very it's periodic, but also it's it's frequent enough so that I can be able to to meet kind of some of the same people and then also meet some new people as well without feeling extreme sense of burnout. Um, and so DYPB or discover your personal brand, a lot of it is distributed work. So we do a lot of just Zoom meetings <laughs> weekly, yeah. Right? And so we don't actually meet in person until the actual events but also um, in quarterly team meetings as well, where we do team building exercises, you know, kind of in, in person at the same place. And I think that's really important for, for any distributed team, really, to be able to really feel that they're a, a part of something bigger than themselves, right? And, and, and that you can only facilitate that kind of feeling if everyone's in the same room and then you have that kind of uh, infectious energy uh, about yourselves. But Back to the events um, themselves, So I help out with a lot of the logistical things, you know, regarding events in terms of uh, booking venues, getting food, you know, making sure that, you know, everything, uh, you know, the everything runs as smoothly as possible on the on the day of, right, anything that from the audiovisual systems to you name it, right, There's, there's a lot of things that need to be taken care of, and a lot of things that can go wrong, also, right, and coordinating the speakers, things like that. And so, you know, that's a lot of uh, work leading up to the event. Uh, at the actual event, right? Of course, we have a, a bunch of volunteers that we have to coordinate as well in terms of helping set up with cleanup. Um, and so, what I've noticed through being in charge of that process for a lot of the time is that I actually don't get to meet as many people as let's say you're just an attendee coming in.
1: Oh, the event, interesting.
0: Right? Got it. And so and so, I just you know I help you know with with setup and I'm busy with you know registering people into the event stacking the chairs away after the event you know making sure that the microphones are working things like that and so what usually happens is that people approach me (laughs) and so Mm -hmm. usually and because i they know they recognize that i'm part of the typp team or speakers will come up and say hey i recognize you because you sent the email about you know the event and things like that right and so other people would start conversations with me and so that has actually lifted a lot of social burden off my shoulders, especially as an, as an introvert, just because you don't feel pressured to have to go out and be social and approach people Right, because people will will naturally know who you are, uh, especially once you've gotten to the point where um, you're well kind of connected or integrated within the, within the community and so i'll see some of the same people over again and it's like oh oh it's you again (laughs) right or (laughs) or if they're newer they'll come they'll come and say oh i saw your post on linkedin about the uh, linkedin local event right and so they'll they'll know me from from my social accounts and so then they'll be able to strike up a conversation that way and so for me like that has been a huge benefit yeah even if the quantity of people that i get to get to meet has decreased i would like to say that the quality has also increased as well love people, that you know, yeah because people are coming so good. because they because they want to talk to me not you know not only because you know they're just hanging out by themselves at the event and they just need an excuse to talk to someone right Be near them right so that's been the biggest change i think you know in terms of doing that kind of interaction and even like even afterwards the social stuff is to me, it's a breeze now just mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it's so much easier also because, you know, I'm much more, I'm much stronger with writing than I, I am in speaking. Um, and so just, you know, interacting with others kind of online, even after the event, just to say thank you for coming out, right, is is hu- is much lower barrier to entry than the saying then literally shaking everyone's hand and saying thank you for coming right yeah
1: yeah that's so good man I love your perspective on quality over quantity I said this to you in uh, the Starbucks coffee shop but I need to highlight it again like I really think one of the main reasons that when we did connect on digital that I was really excited to meet you the first time is just the idea of a lot of people saying a lot of great things about you like you Obviously, when you go to event, you breed the quality over quantity. You spend time um, investing in relationships rather than just trying to shake as many hands as you can. The first time, um, I know we, we were briefly in the same event doing a mentorship for York University students, and we didn't really get a chance to connect that day, although we ended up following each other on Instagram. But what was great is that I was a panel for a competition. I was one of the judges where a lot of the students from that York University event was coming down to pitch their business ideas to this new panel and I was sitting there as a judge and every single one of them, no exaggeration, every single one of the participants, when they got to their last slide that talked about all the members of their team, they would share who their team members are and they would always open up one extra section that says, here are our mentors and board of directors and your face kept coming up over and over and (laughs) over again. And they kept saying Godwin was a huge help to us. He's the reason why we were able to execute this. And I was just sitting there like, this is incredible how much people have recognized him as being such a big value add for why they went ahead and pursued their business or whatever idea it is that they wanted to roll out. So there is no doubt in my mind, even before I met you, that you spend so much time working on nurturing a relationship rather than trying to meet the next person right after the next person. So uh, good on you, man. I, I think that made it easier. And it's, it's just so great to see people out in the world that are truly out there trying to give a helping hand and, and learning how to interact with others. But you, are, you really breed that. And you didn't have to tell me that. I heard that from other people. <laughs> i
0: I was actually you know surprised to to hear that after you know afterwards and i was like oh i i you know I, I i didn't even recognize it at that time that you know i made such a huge impression and i was only there for one day to to do them to, to do the mentoring right and so you know i guess yeah no p- power, one the, power, day for <laughs> the power of mentor- the power of mentorship really right and so yeah and i think that and that's the, that's the one thing also i think that a lot more of us should be in, investing our time in as well, you know, from both sides, really, you know, being on on the mentee side, but also being on the on the mentor side, right? Because especially if you have you know something to give back, even even let's say you're just a recent grad, right, out of out of university, you can do what I did, right? Basically, help out a bunch of high schoolers, right, yeah. or or people in even like even one or two years, yeah, you know, younger than yourself, right, or one to two years earlier in in the university or college career, right? Because mm-hmm. You, yeah you've absolutely. been there right you have traversed that kind of path and so you yeah
1: know, you, will have, you, will have, you will
0: you will have advice to share right it does, doesn't matter how you know insignificant you think it is you you still have the opportunity to make impact that way even yeah. if it's just to say oh i would recommend taking this course with this professor rather than you know this other course hmm. whatever yeah
1: so good and you know like you know that i don't think you're ever ever too old or too groomed in anything to stop learning I truly believe that if you're not learning, you're not growing. And this is why it is important to be a mentor and a mentee. And you know, no matter where you are in my in your career. You know, I'm at a good spot in my career, but I'm always paying attention and learning from other people. When there is more than one speaker at an event, I'm sitting there taking notes. When there is uh when there's other people I collaborate with, I'm learning from their style and why I'm able to get into the world and do things like, you know, I put out a book out there and I have a podcast out there and I've never done either and yet they've both taken off and done so well. And I have to credit that to the fact that there's other podcasters that I've met and learned from their ways. There's other authors that I've met and learned how they put their book out there. So there's a lot of people that are always out there helping, and if you're not willing to learn, it's super super discredit to what you could have actually achieved if you paid attention to how other people have successfully done what you're trying to do. Like, it's just so logical. You want to get to point B, why not follow people that have got to point B and learn what they did rather than try to figure it out on yourself and then on the other side of things being a mentor is so important Um, it's so important to share that knowledge of wealth if you don't share it you're really just losing the opportunity to let that idea evolve into something and form a relationship in ways that you never could Um, you know when I go back to my introvert side of the story and I'm really I'm really just glad to be able to share on this podcast because I don't really spend a lot of podcasts talking about being an introvert. But, you know, a big part of me in the world of being an introvert and not only that a shy introvert, which makes it extra hard, was being at university back in the days and being that silent kid sitting in a classroom, not knowing anybody, trying to figure my way through university and yet being extremely shy and just not doing well at school. And I remember I wasn't doing well. And I remember that I was just praying that someone would look over to me and saying, hey, do you need a hand? Because you don't seem like you're doing well. And I just kept praying that someone would lend me a helping hand. But I was too shy. I was too nervous. I had too much social anxiety that I just wouldn't speak up. And I never ended up getting that help. And it ended up becoming a very rough path for me where I had to learn a lot of things for myself. And that moment, I would say, has left such a big chip on my shoulder and not chip as in a bad way in a motivating way i've never been more motivated to want to be that helping hand for other people that i didn't get for myself i wanted to be that person that when i look around the room and i see someone that looks like they're silently hurting that i want to go over there and help them out and try to make things right and when i speak at events i know that those shy people will never put up their hand or never come up and talk to me and tell me they need a hand so in a very subliminal way i'm speaking to them through the words that i'm trying to share saying that you don't need to ask for help carries advice and you're welcome to use it if you want and that's kind of been my structure with how i form a lot of my speaking where i go up there and don't ask the audience what they want i want to know who's there I want to know what the objective of the event is. And I want to share a message that matters to them because the biggest thing I learned, which essentially became the, fun, the foundation of everything I do, is two words reinvent yourself. And I love those two words because it's just the idea and the reoccurring philosophy that I have, which is that you never really need to stay where you are in life. You never really need to position yourself. And I mean this physically, mentally, in any, any, every single way. You never need to be comfortable with a place that you're in, especially if you're unhappy, you could literally move yourself and and mentally move yourself to a space where you can be much happier and do a lot of the things that you want to do. So a lot of me going from being a shy introvert, failing in university, to going out there and joining one of Canada's fastest growing marketing agencies in the entire country, putting out a book that became a bestseller, put out a podcast that was ranked as one of the most listened to podcasts by the millennial generation, and then doing a bunch of speaking events. All these things that I'm doing, is essentially challenging the shy mufus that couldn't actually speak up. And it, it, the burning desire allowed me to reinvent myself and become this person that I'm much happier with now. It's not to say I ever buried that side of me. I actually don't think you can ever bury that side of you. You will, you will always have that with you, but you just get better at managing it. And if you're really good, and if you really take time on it, you can actually use that to fuel you the other direction and head you down to the path of success, whatever that definition of success is to you.
0: Right. Wow. You know, there's your story in a nutshell, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it really is, man. And listen, like no matter how many years go by and how much better I get at managing the components of my life, I will always think back to that day at university, being the shy kid in a hoodie, waiting for someone to talk to me, and that will never go away. That's just that's just something that always reminds me to get up in the morning and put in work,
0: right? And 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 you know, I think that's great motivation, really. Right? Is to see kind of where you came from and then also it's kind of like seeing your ideal state as well and then how do I work towards going to that ideal state you you'll never forget where you came from you know for me I will never forget where I came from in terms of I was everything I was very introverted very shy socially anxious had low self-esteem self low self-confidence everything right it was just you know it was terrible (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I I just I I didn't have self-belief literally like belief in myself that i can be somebody in this world right apart from the fact that I, apart from the fact that i was very good at academics but just everything else just like you know i didn't think that i was going to become somebody of substance or of value right mm-hmm. other than just being a nerd <laughs> or a bookworm right yeah and so you know even now that just you know seeing the personal growth i've or and the and that trajectory i've been able to go on is just it's incredible, it's a, it's a humbling experience, but also it's proof to for me, at least, to keep going, right? Because, of course, I'm still not at my ideal state, right, yet. Yeah. And, and so that just kind of add, adds fuel to the fire. And then, you know, of course, reinvention, you're reinventing yourself. That, to me, life is a series of reinventions, right? If you're not reinventing yourself, and you're just, right, you're, you're stagnant, right? Yeah. And, so, and, you know, the scariest thing is if, let's say, that. You know, you have a friend that you haven't seen in a long time, and so you know you, you meet up with this friend one day, right? It Doesn't matter how 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 many years have passed, right, since you uh, met up with this person. And the scariest thing to me would be if that friend says, "You haven't changed all these yeah. years," <laughs> and and that to me is like that's that's a sign of failure to me is that I haven't reinvented successfully reinvented myself into being a better person than who I was, you know, five, ten, fifteen years ago, right, and so.
1: God, that's so good. I love that. I love that. If, if you'd be upset if they said you haven't changed. I love that. And I, you know, the one of my favorite compliments in the world is when I touch base with some of my high school friends or even my early university friends that I haven't seen in so long. And it's the best compliment in the world when they say you are so different. So I'm so different to a point where I even remember when um, a mutual friend of mine would go back and see those high school friends and be like, Oh my God, you guys have to see Mafuz. He's doing all these crazy things. And they're like, Really? Like they couldn't believe it because all they remembered me as was that super shy person back in the day. And they couldn't believe of uh, that it's even possible for me to achieve something nearly close that requires a lot of social interactions. So it's, it's just so incredible to see how much your growth changes over the years. I do also need to point this out and it's very important to point out is I keep talking about reinvent yourself and we sometimes talk about how being shy or being an introvert is a, like it's, it's often being shown in a negative light and it bugs me sometimes when I see that in a lot of uh, events or when I meet a lot of introverts and a lot of them are talking about like not wanting to be an introvert or wanting to move away from it. I always like seeing things in a positive light and I, I truly would say that It's my personality type in the world of being an introvert that allowed me to do a lot of the things that I'm doing. And I don't think I would have been able to do them if I wasn't an introvert. There's a lot of people out there that have a lot of social energy and they can, they love feeding off energy from other people. And they love the idea of going out there and meeting people all the time and using that to fuel their fire, where I'm on the other side, where I need alone time. You know, I just came back from a trip from Niagara over the weekend and right away, the first thing I said to the people that I live with is like, listen, I have no plans today, but I kind of just want to hang out alone. And I love doing that because it allows me to sit down and just get my thoughts in order. It lets me think about, think about things without distractions. It lets me sit there at a coffee shop or a lounge or something and just think about things that are coming up. So sometimes in my mind, I'll start thinking like, hey, I have this meeting coming up. How do I wanna navigate to this meeting or I have this presentation? What do I wanna talk about in this presentation? You know, I have a podcast with Godwin. I would sit down and think about some things that I wanna share on this podcast. And it's being alone And shutting off those distractions and giving myself time that allowed me to be that person that's very thoughtful about the things I want to do before I even go into it. And it was also what allowed me to put out a book. You know, everyone talks about the 9 to 5 grind. I love the 5 to 9 grind. I love the 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. grind. And I love the shutting things off at 5 p.m managing my own time and doing it my way, which means if I want to be at a coffee shop and I want to check Instagram once in a while, that's okay. If I don't want to check it and I want to drink coffee and look out of the window for 30 minutes, that's okay. Where some people at work, they look out the window for 30 minutes without doing anything, they might get fired. Where in the situation, you're doing it under your own terms, your own way, your own pace. There is no deadline. You choose what you want to do in those times. And it just so happened that I was so fired up to put out a book that in the hours of 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. for 14 days straight, I was able to write down the first word of my book and then publish it and get it up on a shelf in 14 days. And that sounds bonkers to a lot of people. But to me, it's just, it's just basic math. Like I'm putting five hours a day every single day. On a fixed mindset, on a train of thoughts of 14 days straight, it's just not so hard to believe that you can put out a book that quickly if you're that efficient and you give yourself that time. Most people don't give themselves that time. They need to go and meet other people. They need to have social interactions. They need to go out and do things and not get bored. I love the alone time, but it's also the alone time that allows me to be as productive as I want. So I actually freaking love being an introvert. The only part that I really wanted to reinvent myself for is being able to Silence down something that I call the mental chatterbox, and the mental chatterbox is something I talk a lot about because it's become my biggest enemy and my best friend, which is essentially that thought, uh, the, the voice that you hear in your head that tries to talk you out of things. And the things that give you social anxiety and the things that say like before you're about to go meet a stranger, you start freaking out because the voice in your head is saying like, hey, don't do it. It may not go well. You may just seem weird and you may not end up, you may get judged, so don't do it. And I used to have problems with that. Or like you're at a bar and you see this attractive girl and you want to go talk to her, but your mind is like, don't do it. You're going to fail. You're going to get rejected. Your friends are there. They're going to make fun of you. So shut your face and sit down. You know, I would have this mental chatterbox and I still do today. I still have the chatterbox. When I go up on stage to do public speaking, I start freaking out on the inside for about the first five minutes. The only difference between the Mufu's now and the Mufu's then is I got much better at managing it, which means when I get up on stage, I I get so much thrill from proving my mental chatterbox wrong. I get thrill of going up there and saying, I know you don't think I can do it. I'm going to hit a home run and I'm going to shut you up. And the second you start doing it, you start noticing the mental chatterbox in your head start getting really, really silent and it just be quiet, and it lets you do you, and lets you live your best life. But then it comes back the next day again. So you need to just get better at managing it over and over again. And it just takes practice. It takes time and practice. And that would be the part of myself that I would say I reinvented better than anything else. But I'm a proud introvert. And I love that because it allowed me to do everything I can today. Exactly.
0: And, and definitely, there are you know two things that I do want to point out here right and it's not actually it was one main thing with two parts so you know basically being alone right is both a blessing and a curse <laughs> for for introverts right just because being alone lets us do for the majority of times our best work right is when we're able to kind of concentrate on our on our own thing we do things you know like you said you know you know especially on our own terms on our own time And that's what, that's basically what self-employment is at the end of the day, right? You can basically set, you know, set your own schedule, set your own deadlines, do, you know, things that you want to do. And that's great. You know, you, you know, you have your time to introspect, to, to think over, to mull over things. And that's great. And then on the flip side is your analysis paralysis, your procrastination, your, you know, like you mentioned, you know, the mental chatterbox. Uh, that mm-hmm. the bits of self doubt that linger on in your head saying that you can't do this or you can't do that, or you've never been good at public speaking, why are you doing this now? And, and all those kinds of nagging thoughts, yeah. Oh, so is and 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 I think what is good is that if you if you visualize it as basically a scale where you have your you know your two sides um essentially mitigating as, as much as possible or blocking out that you know kind of noise of self-doubt and and i can't do this and i can't do that and then you know bring that you know aside and and letting that weight be lighter and then putting investing you know more time into the more productive things Right where you, mm. you know, I'm creating, or I am taking time for self care, or I am thinking about my future, or I'm just enjoying the moment, right? Rather than being caught up a oh, you yeah. know, what you know, what, what what do people think of me, or you know, is, does this person hate me, or you know, why is this person attacking me online? Blah blah blah. You know, all those all those, all that negative thoughts and, and and energy. To me, that like that's what I've struggled with a lot. Uh, especially during my younger years, right, because I was mm-hmm. more, I was much more sensitive to others' opinions about myself, right, and and so at the end of the day, yes, they do they do matter to a certain extent, just in terms of how people perceive you as in general but for, you know especially but if we're talking about you know kind of specifics you know in terms of like over analyzing oh you know did i did i slight this person or mm-hmm. um, i say something that may not have been kosher or, or whatever and you kind of go into that kind of nitty-gritty and and you kind of analyze everything that may have you know offended someone or things like that or you know other people have you know said not so nice things about yourself um do you let Those kinds of negative emotions control how you feel, right? Or how you react to certain things. And so that's the type of thing I've been trying to squash for a long, long time, because I used Mm -hmm. to to care way too much about these types of things. And and what I realized at the end of the day is that, you know, there are all types of people out there in the world. Uh, You cannot please everyone. That is impossible. (laughs) That is literally impossible. And you just have to do the best that you can to find and surround yourself with the people that are on the same wavelength as you, right? And to always and to acknowledge constructive criticism, but also to ignore destructive criticism. That's that's just it isn't helpful at all. Right. And so
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think that I think that when you are at a point in your life where what matters to you the most is what other people think about you. I think it's more about your own self confidence than it is actually about really about what other people are saying and uh, you know i was definitely in that phase and I sometimes i still am today you know we're, we're human beings you know we have feelings they could get hurt based on things that are being said but i i used to spend a lot of time why people were saying what they were saying you know whether it's a bad comment or whether it is like a bad comment on social media or whether it is something that someone's just doing out of spite but when you spend a lot of time dissecting it you can usually find the root problem and sometimes it's just that they're unhappy with themselves where they are in their life you know it's very it's very rare where you find someone that's very happy with themselves bashing other people it's very rare. I can't actually think of any situation where I can think of someone that is extremely happy with their own life but isn't letting someone else have happiness.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you because just because yeah. you know, if you are truly satisfied or content with your life, you wouldn't spend time uh, doling out negative, you know, sentiments at all like that—that that, that wouldn't even cross your mind. Not, you know, yes. that's the waste of your time, really.
1: It, it is, man, and you know, like a lot of people. When when you look at it from the bigger side of things, it's like if if they're happy with their life, they're busy enjoying the happiness of their life, the fruits of their labor, and they're not out there actually putting other people down. So, based on that finding, I've come to the conclusion that happiness involves being happy for other people as well. And rooting for other people to be happy too. It's like a glass that you keep pouring water into and you're sharing it. But as you're pouring water into, your container starts having more room to take in more. And I think that you just need to be happy for other people to have happiness. So when I see someone being unhappy or a hater or spiteful or whatever word you want to use, it makes me almost actually be concerned for them as who they are and why they aren't happy rather than myself. And don't get me wrong, there are going to be many situations where sometimes it's about the other person um, giving you criticism and they're actually giving you feedback and they're trying to help you get better. Like if someone listens to uh, something that I wrote or someone, someone reads something that I wrote, I've had a time when, at one point where someone messaged me and said she was very upset about what I wrote. And it made me first say, no, I didn't mean it that way at all. Why is she upset? And I explained it to her. But as I was explaining it to her, as I was writing this paragraph, trying to say, that's not at all what I meant. I started saying, wait, what if I, even though that's not what I meant, my communication style was weak. What if I said that in a way that would upset someone else and maybe it's not actually her fault for taking it the wrong way. Maybe I just came off like a jerk and then I reassessed my caption and I changed the way I say things. And that matters. And that matters where you realize that they weren't actually being a hater. They were actually hurt by something that you said or did that they're trying to address maybe not in the most healthiest way but being addressing it in a way that it's just sharing with you that they're not happy with something that you did so I do like looking at the root of things and saying why majority of the time to be honest will be simply that they're unhappy with some part of their life that's making them take it out on you but in many cases in in very few cases there are scenarios where they're actually giving you feedback so it's worth thinking about why it's happening but then moving on um, you know i I've had a I've had a very, very lucky opportunity to build an incredible community with many amazing individuals in my space that actually I don't get a lot of hate. And I think I'm very grateful for it because a lot of the community that I work with are actually trying to help each other. And, you know, the other conference that I was just in um, last week, I um, I sat in the back of the room before I was about to go up and I looked around the room and I saw that a lot of the speakers and the panelists were actually other marketers. And some people, in you know, if they were in my shoes, they would have seen those people as competitors, and they would have said, "Oh, I don't want to be too friendly with them because they're also in my field, and I should act different around them, and I shouldn't give them my best ideas because they're gonna go and use it." And they, there's just a lot of different thoughts that would go through someone's head if they saw people as competitors. But what I did instead is I recognized that these guys are part of my community. Like we actually follow each other on Instagrams, keep up with each other's life, share best ideas with each other. We get together and do mastermind sessions. Uh, We literally compliment each other in front of the room, even though we're actually competitors. And I saw that because I was the last speaker. And the first person that went up was asked a question about marketing. And he was there to talk about sales. But instead of focusing on sales, he said, hey, you should talk to the marketing genius that's over there in that corner. And, And he was pointing at me because that guy can answer the question better than I can. And that was amazing to me. That was amazing that the guy that's potentially my competitor would be boasting about me. And then when I went up on the room, I started by saying, like, guys, we're in a room surrounded by legends. All stars like look at all these people that are here make sure you shake their hands because this is the best salesperson I've ever met this is the best influencer I've seen da, 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 da. Like, I'm pointing these people out to saying they're amazing and I realized that the reason we're connected the way we are is because we're like-minded people pouring into our own space and we're pouring in ideas around marketing and growth and success and digital tools we all share the same interest it only makes sense that we could pour into the same space and grow as individuals I feel the same about introverts I feel like like when introverts get together, it's like minded people pouring into the same space and helping each other out, and that becomes its own community. The ones that are hateful don't usually last in the community for long because they get singled out. People find out very quickly in that community that that person doesn't actually belong and they're there for their own selfish needs and to hurt other people, and they very, very quickly stop getting invited to events or meetups or hangouts or online chats or DMs. There just is a spiral that takes place. So if you're building a community, whatever your goal is on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, in person, podcasting, whatever your goal is, if you're trying to build a healthy community, just keep giving to your community. Don't ever worry about someone in your community being a competitor or a hater. Just keep giving. And you'll notice how the community does its part with spiraling out all the haters while at the same time, helping build this community and giving back to you with other opportunities that open up. There you go. You heard it. Community building one-on-one. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, I, I've so I've been so big on um, not being into the world of sales and conversions when it comes to personal branding. I think a lot of people that start their Instagram account, they automatically start pulling in sponsors, you know, for their podcast show. They automatically start um, bringing in a lot of salesy posts and links to bio to buy a product. And I just I've just never been a fan of that. And it may work for people. I'm not going to knock it if it works for them. But for my style, I've never come out here trying to ever sell things. I just really try to help because I love the idea of community. And I think I truly believe everyone can win if they simply try to help each other out with opportunities. It's only when someone sees the mindset of let me do it my way and not share things with others that things start getting a little nasty and very sleazy. I think if everyone just helped each other and built a community around that, amazing things happen. And I've been seeing that for probably the last seven, eight years over and over again.
0: Right. You know, exactly. And, and that's this, really, that's the spirit of, of giving, right. And so giving more than you take. Right. And so, and, and the other thing is, it, you know, especially if, you know, you're talking about, you know, competitors and, and complimenting your competitors and things like that almost can say that, you know, you shouldn't really consider your competitors as competitors at all. They should be really collaborators in a sense. Right. In the sense that Mm -hmm. you're in the same space, you're working towards very similar goals whoever does it the best fine, you know, they can, you know, they'll have a bigger market share, but at the end of the day, you're still, you're still working on the same thing or similar things. Right. And really, you know, good things, you know, do happen when you just acknowledge your, you know, your quote unquote competitors as really, yeah, you know, as, as people who you respect or deeply respect and, and admire for the work, you know, and, and say maybe, like, hey, let, you know, let's collaborate on this project or, or or that one, or we can do a merger even, right? I and mean, we can combine yeah. our companies together, right? And, and because we're working towards similar goals. Why are we, You know, we can combine our, our resources together and then we can uh, be even stronger uh, together, and, yeah. and for me, like, it's because for me, like, I, I'm not a type A personality at all, right? And so, you know, I'm very laid back in the sense that I'm not the type of person who will want to win at all costs or to be that, you know, ultra competitive person, right? Uh, who, who, you know, just wants to get ahead for, you know, his own self-benefit. Um, I'm very much a person who, you know, yes, I do want to win, but I want to bring everyone else along for the ride. Right, you know, we can all win together. Right, we can all help each other achieve our achieve our goals together. We don't have to put down anyone, and and so and that may be, you know, not compatible with with some, uh, with some CEO types, especially, right? But at the end of the day, it's about how we can cultivate a community, uh, grow a community, and you know, at the end of the day, I just want to help everyone as much as possible. On the other hand. Don't get try not to be vulnerable to being taken advantage of. That's the other that's the other aspect. Yeah. As well, if you're if you're nice but also you're naive at the same time, that's a recipe for disaster, especially when people can uh, see that and will try to push your buttons. And that's
1: what it gets good. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because that is important to highlight. I'm very grateful when a lot of people talk about how I've helped them in some way. And I try to always be that guy that gives, gives, gives. But I also know when an opportunity is presented to me that I do want to capitalize or take that opportunity. So it's always that mutual benefit of like you're giving to people and people will give you opportunities. But in um, the midst of all that, you know, building relationships, giving, helping, uh, rising together as a unit. I've also become very, very blunt over the years. And I'm blunt as in like, if I don't see something or if I see something I don't like, I will speak up and I'll tell them right away, I don't like it. If I see someone doing something while the crowd is watching and someone should speak up, I usually am that person that speaks up. Even, you know, I have a, a, you know, a very humble beginning where, where my parents came in with the uh, mentality of immigrating to Canada with very little money in their pocket. So, their mentality was always to play it safe and appreciate every dollar that you earn and all that good stuff. So, I came in with that background already to start with. And my first job that I had was pouring Coffee and Tim Hortons. And I used to, that was it, you know, I didn't have any experience with anything. All I did was pour coffee for a living. Now being on the other side, coming in as a marketer, whenever I line up at let's say a Starbucks or Tim Horns or a coffee shop or a retail store, whatever it is, usually happens at Timmy's for some reason. And you'll always see that one impatient person in line that's snapping at the server. You'll always see that one person that just giving them hell for, making an order incorrectly, which I would even argue wasn't done incorrectly. And I have to be that one that steps in because now I have a soft side. I have a soft side for the people on the other side of the counter making the beverages for us because I know what it's like to go through that. I know what it's like to have not a great boss. And I know what it's like to work your butt off with physical labor while getting treated like crap by the customers on the other side. And I usually have to step in and say something whenever I see that happening because I grew to have a soft side for them. And over the years, I've seen that happen over and over again to myself and other people. I got very blunt. And this means that I just now I'm very kind and I don't get a lot of hate for being blunt because usually I'm also blunt in a kind way. Like if I like something, I will make sure I tell that person I like it in the most bluntest way that I can. But at the same time, when I, when people that don't like it when I'm blunt, they don't usually stick around for long, right? My circle of friends has changed a lot over the years with the exception of maybe about four people that's always been around. My other circle has always changed because some people just don't like the bluntness. And, it, you know, I'm not going to say I was right to be blunt. I'm not going to say they were wrong to feel that way. I'm just going to say that we weren't compatible. And being compatible matters, right? You want to build a community and a circle of friends with people that are compatible. So if there are pushovers, if there are people that would take advantage of you, if there are people that would bully you because you're helpful and you're nice, then you don't want to be around them anyway. So I think being blunt in the nicest way is a great skill to have that the more you start doing that, you'll notice that you're naturally attracting the right type of people where the people that aren't the right type, won't stick around anyways. And you're kind of holding it down that way. Now, I'm looking at my wall right now, Godwin, and I see um, the 2019 NBA Championships Raptors plaque that was gifted to me, you know, shouts out to the Toronto Raptors. And it made me think about what you said about competitors and collaborators. And I think you made a good point. And you've even corrected me because I said the word competitors many times. So I appreciate that you did that because I truly agree with you. I think you're right. Now, this is a very Canadian perspective, I have to say, but When I think of other marketers in my field, potential competitors, I actually see them as more as a teammate in the Toronto Raptors than maybe the Golden State Warriors as a competitor. Because when I think about who we are as marketers in one room at an event about to speak to students or other people that are in the audience trying to learn about marketing, we all have the same goal. We all want to make this the best event they've ever been to by giving our best knowledge and playing our best game. And if we did that, we would feel like we won the championship. So we're in it to help each other rise as a unit and get to the top. And, you know, when I think about it, all the marketers, even outside of the event that are in our area, we're still representing Toronto and we're representing Canadians and we're representing what we believe in in the world of marketing. We're still on the same team where we, don't actually, we shouldn't actually see each other competitors. We should see each other as if you win, we win. So we should all help each other play the best game. And I love that you corrected that because I think that's a great point. It is truly about collaboration and not competitiveness. Right, and, and to
0: you know, take on the basketball, basketball analogy even further, right? So what happens to a team when you basically have a group of individuals all just basically fighting for playing time and they, they all want to be the star of the team? that's not going to work, right? And then that's where essentially that's when everyone, you know, becomes competitors in a sense that mm-hmm. everyone, you know, saying, coach, let me in. I, you know, I want to take the last shot, right. In, in the fourth quarter, but then, and you know, that, doesn't necessarily bode well for you know the industry as a whole if you take it as you know as part of the uh, part of the raptors for example right you're not going to win like you know 60 games doing that maybe like 30 40 i don't know right yeah and so but when you t- you know let go of your ego a little bit right and say that oh we're all working towards a great you know goal that's greater than ourselves whether that's you know expanding our or growing our industry by five percent or that's you know winning the nba championship right then becomes everyone you know will know their you know know their role what they you know have to play on you know know, on the team on on the team essentially and then we're all working collaboratively together to reach that goal of elevating everyone Right. To the next level, not just, you know, not just one or two superstars, but really everyone on the team, even the role players. Right. <laughs> and role yeah. players as in like, you know, smaller marketing agencies, for example. Right. Yeah. That, that, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I've taken this analogy a bit too far, but there you no, go. No,
1: no, no, man. You're yeah. right. Listen, at the end, of, at the end of the day, you nailed it. Like if you elevate your community with an unselfish mindset, meaning you're willing to pass up the ball to get the win you're willing you're going to win championships like you're going to win the bigger game if you spend your time investing in getting better as a unit and i think that's so important not just when i look at myself and my team at candy box marketing but just marketing as a whole and the industry that we're from and the ones that really do this well and I know you've experienced a little bit of this with the, with the book side of things. I know that there's a lot of authors in the community that are very active. I think authors do community better than any other industry I've seen. And authors have just built Facebook groups, Twitter chats, Instagram followers. There's just so many things that they do that's heavy on community. And if you look at any... Any well-established author, um, not even well-established, aspiring author, and you look at their comments and their posts, you'll see how much engagement happens. You'll see how much people are thoughtful with what they're writing, and it's not just a great pick. And you'll see that the author responds back to those comments and keeps the conversation going. You'll see these weekly tweet chats happening on Twitter where they're just sharing their best idea. And if you ever get on the wrong side of an author community, you are going to get ripped apart in ways that I don't think I want to hear about. It gets that bad. but they're so good at building a community around love, friendship, and support that I don't think I've seen in anything else that I've done. And it makes me, it encourages me and inspires me to a way where I try to bring that to the world of marketing. I say, if I can create the same type of community that I've been involved in, in the author side, in the world of marketing, I think we really have something special. And I want to focus on that over the next few years.
0: Right, for sure. And I, I've experienced that uh, firsthand, you know, especially on, especially on Twitter, actually, because the, the author community there is, is incredible, actually.
1: Magnificent, yeah. And,
0: and so everyone's out here just hustling to, you know, lift each other up in terms of, you know, getting exposure to, you know, getting people to follow, follow newer authors to promoting their works, to promoting their ideas, events, things like that. And, you know, I think that's the, it's a kind of similar thing that's going on with podcasting even. Right, uh, I've actually had the pleasure of joining a few different uh, Facebook communities for podcasting, and so it's it's about you know not only not only do people just you know share their their own podcast, but rather, you know even further than that in terms of you know tips and tricks of elevating your podcast to the next level, um, giving each other five star reviews right on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, things like that. And so, and that's the beauty, oh, yeah. of it, right? So that, that's yeah, our authentic, organic community at the end of the day where everyone's just helping helping each other and no one's selling anything that's the most important part
1: yeah yeah i've been to some of those facebook groups and they literally have a rule pinned on the top saying no selling or you will get banned and i was like that is so good i'm so happy that that's actually a thing in the community and you're right about podcast community because it's so different from anything else out there because podcast community is really about collaboration right Isn't that exactly what podcasting is? Like you're on a podcast, even if you're doing it solo, you're pouring thoughts and ideas to help other people. And when you're collaborating with others, you're still helping spotlighting them or sharing ideas on a platform together. So it is literally the art of collaboration. And one of my favorite things in the world of podcasting is the space of where I've even seen posts where they will literally make a post saying, share what your podcast is about. And if someone in the community that they're part of that podcast, they can comment and request to be a guest on it. And I was like, they're making it so easy for someone to get on a podcast show. A lot of people think, oh, you know, I'd love to be a guest on a podcast show or I don't know where to start or should I start my own show? And they just don't think any of this is easy to do. But to be honest, if you're part of the community and more importantly, you're invested in the community, you're actually spending time and energy and ideas with the community, it's very easy to get these opportunities. They will literally set you up for success they want your show to win and almost in every scenario it comes down to is there like a mutual benefit of some kind you know when i when i joined the author side for example i thought a lot about what is my role in this author side and i knew the reason i joined it at first was because i wanted to learn how to publish a book and get it to market successfully and I saw a lot of people sharing free ideas and I asked myself, what can I offer this community that no one else is offering? Because I want to be of value too. I don't want to just take and leave. And um, I realized very quickly that a lot of them are not marketers. A lot of them are just authors that write phenomenal books, some of the best stuff I've read out there, but they haven't done very well. Not because they don't have great products, but because they don't know how to market. So what I did is I created a video and I did a screen sharing video using GoToMeeting and I literally filmed literally me setting up an ad using Facebook advertising of how to sell my book. And I showed them my most successful ad. I showed them what generated me a lot of clicks and sales. And I said, guys, I, I just want to show you exactly how to set it from scratch. So here is your ad here's your title, here's your copy, here's how you set an audience, and I gave them three examples of three different types of audience that I think the community would have. And then by the end of it, people were messaging me, asking me if they could download the video from me, and then if they could ask me some follow-up questions, or if I could take a look and critique the ads that they set up, and I took my time to give them that value. So to think about a perspective of what can you offer a community, Will allow you to participate in a community in a way where some people are just there lurking and taking in information. Where the truth is, you can be a value add. You just got to think about how you can help that committee and how they can benefit from your expertise and the things that you know that they may not know, they may not know on from their side.
0: Right, and that's you know perfect example of how a good community member should act. And, and you know even more so than just than just lurking, being an active participant really will. Elevate, I guess yourself to the next level, so yeah you know, I just wanted to comment really on the fact that you know the the publishing process is really two pronged, right it's almost equal in the, in, in the sense that, yes, you do need to write a good book, but also you need to have a fantastic marketing plan behind that book as well, right because you can you know write you know the next Homer or the next Iliad or the next Odyssey Odyssey, actually Homer's the author actually, and you can yeah. write the next Iliad or the next Odyssey, but if no one knows about it. And it's just you know then it just becomes a passion project in the sense that oh, you can you know pass it on to family and friends and that's fine, yeah keep it for your personal collection uh it can be your journal that's fine, but if you truly want to share it with the rest of the rest of the world, right, then the marketing becomes a a serious component in in that and um and the second thing comment about the uh the podcasting group or the podcast or podcasting community actually yeah that was how. You know when you're describing how you know people would create posts and say like oh you know share your podcast and you know comment if you want to be a guest on this one. I actually did I actually uh, contributed to to one of these exact kind of same posts? It was by it was under a post by you know, Mark Metry, right? So, yeah, the, right. uh, the host of Humans 2.0. So, he basically put out a post saying podcast hosts and guests you can connect below, you, you know, share your podcast, comment on other people's podcast, or, you know, comments, to you know, request being a guest. And so, you know, it, it was great. You know, I promoted my own podcast. I was commenting on other people's you know, podcasts who I thought I saw was interesting or were interesting and, and fit kind of would, would benefit from me being on them. And so, I, I, you know, I, I, by the end of that, I ended up getting like, <laughs> I think eight to 10 different podcast recordings. Like either oh, I'm being a guest, I'm, I'm being guest, or they're a guest on my show.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And if, if you time it right, um, you can literally do a podcast circuit. And I did that last year where I went on six different shows in the course of one month. And at the same time, I was bringing them on as guests on my show. So it's a, it's a beautiful trade off, And it, it really builds you the momentum that you need to get the ball rolling because now it's giving you a lot of content to put out there and a lot of different things to share. But let's, let's highlight something really important that I'm noticing here is you could actually not put out any content on your feed and still do very, very well right? Because we just talked about community involvement. We talked about participating in comments. We talked about building relationships and nurturing them. It's making me realize more and more that you actually would be very successful on Instagram just having a few posts out there and spending all your time in direct messages, building relationships, and then meeting them offline. You'd be very successful in just participating in Facebook groups and Twitter chats and getting involved in those and building relationships with other people. If you focus on, and I think this is the key word that we've been using over and over, Godwin, is building relationships. If you just focus on that, all the other stuff that putting yourself out publicly, putting out content every single day. I've tried that and I've had some results, but I can honestly tell you there's more results just investing time, even privately to build relationships with other individuals and do stuff like what we did, like meet up at Starbucks and have, what was it, a four-hour conversation almost? It was really Um, long,
0: yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it, it was a very long conversation. And I remember I was supposed to go to the gym after, and I delayed the gym, and I had someone waiting for me in the parking lot that was very upset with me. But it was my call based on the fact that we were really hitting it off, and there was just a lot of great things shared. But it comes down to that over and over again. It's not about content. Content is king. Content is king, and that's something that a lot of people have talked about for a long time. But community building is everything. And if you're not building your community, it doesn't matter how much content you put out there. You're just going to be another advertising, another marketer out there that's sharing the same stuff every single day. Where the reality is, the authentic bonding, the sales that happen at the end of the day, comes down to building a relationship. You know, when I did my book launch, The reason my book launch was so successful, you know, I partnered up with Sheridan College, who was very grateful to provide a venue and all the marketing and posters and all that good stuff that I needed to promote the event. It came to a point where they were actually begging me to stop posting about my event on my social because it was filling up. And there was standing room only, and they couldn't actually give away any more seats. And people kept registering so much in about 48 hours that people, they just actually had to ask me to stop. And I promise you I didn't stop because I love the idea of having more and more people in there. And it was so successful, and everyone was buying a book, and I was very happy. And it was just one of the best highlights of my life. But when I thought back about it a few weeks later, and I said, why did so many people come up there? I realized that no one really cared about my book. They cared about me. They cared about me to a point where they showed up where it wasn't actually a book launch event, which is what they called it, right? Everyone calls it a book launch event. To me, it was just a community meetup. We were just a bunch of people that knew each other that got together to hang out. And that's why the event was successful. So when you think about someone who did well versus an author who puts out a phenomenal book, maybe even better than mine, that didn't do well, the only difference between that and that is the community building and marketing that was involved before the book came out and not after. And that's a big encouragement that if there's anything I think we've been trying to drive home today is how important that component is in our social life and just doing well as an introvert that's trying to succeed.
0: Well, there you go. You know, very important life lessons in all of that. Definitely just, you know, being yourself, but also, you know, being the authentic you, but also, you know, being able to cultivate that rich community of you know friends of supporters of people who genuinely genuinely want to spend time with um and and that makes all the difference in the world and that's what i've you know really learned uh for the past couple of years so i know you know (laughs) like last time we can go on for like hours and hours and hours i'm not sure i'm I'm not sure i want to make this into a joe rogan kind of thing but you know Um, so we shall wrap it up here. <laughs> Thank you again for for coming on to the show and uh, for providing so much value, really, to our audience.
1: Gavin, I appreciate it so much, man. Thanks for having me on. This was so much fun, and you're right. I was prepared to go on for another hour. I lost track of time with how quick and how well things were going here. So thanks for having me on, and I appreciate it. I hope we can do more, many more conversations in the near future.
0: Of course, and uh last but not least uh where can people find you (laughs) i'm sure you're uh, you know you're everywhere so yeah i
1: i am everywhere it's it's almost too scary so let me simplify it let's just focus on instagram i think that's where i'm more active today than any other platform Uh, my instagram handle is mahfuzc that's m-a-h-f-u-z-c and you know follow is one thing but do send me a direct message i genuinely want to know your stories and connect with you on that surface level and hopefully we can keep the conversation going. Oh,
0: well, there you go. That's <laughs> that, that's actually quite quite quick and simple because uh, you know, some other people like to know, you know, you kind of, kind of <laughs> go on and on, you know, you can follow me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. You can follow my company page, uh Kenny Box Marketing on
1: all these different platforms. Well. I, I don't I'm need all, a I'm single human TikTok, being. All, blah, blah, yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't need a single human being to follow me 5 times. I just want one conversation on one platform. Let's keep it simple. So, yeah, let's take it from there. I think there'll be a lot of great conversations from there.
0: Well, there you go. Thank you so much. And I'll uh, catch up with you soon.
1: Thanks, Darwin. Have a good one.
0: Thanks for listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at D-I-G-I-I-N-T-R-O-S-H-O-W. And you can follow me on all social platforms at G-O-D-W-I-N-H-S-C-H-A-N. I appreciate everyone who listens to the show and let's change the world quietly.